want to do a message, probably a one-time message called Together We Are Better. And I really have a heart behind this message to help you understand, to help me understand that we're all in this together. Even collectively beyond our little church, we're in this together with brothers and sisters around our community, around the state, around the nation, around the world. We're better together. Guys, hear my heart on this. There will be so many peripheral things that will try to divide us. It happens in marriages, marriages. It happens with parents and their kids. And it happens all the times with churches and bodies of churches where something will attempt to make sure that we do not remain of one accord. Now, this is very cool. Uh, Zoe and Chloe were sitting here before service and just felt like, man, the, 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 the word that came in my mind was one accord. And so I asked Zoe, can you please just send me some passages from Acts on one accord? And then Judy walks right up to me and she goes, I just want to share what the Lord's telling me to tell you is that he's going to do something that's going to bring us into one accord. And uh, I love those little moments because they remind me that God is in the details and we are better together. And I want to kind of help us understand what that looks like. We are coming up on two years of doing ministry as New Day Church. Uh, March 4th will be our two-year anniversary. And the phrase that I keep hearing is stay the course. It may be personally for me. I know it is overarching for the vision that we have with New Day. Um, But maybe it could ring true for you personally is stay the course. Oftentimes when you're going down a course and you have high hopes and high expectations, you get to a certain place along that journey and you go, is it worth it? God, why aren't we seeing this? Or maybe something else will be better. And so what you do is you start to add a whole bunch of options to your journey. And sometimes it takes for me, the Holy Spirit just saying, Justin, stay the course. Because I'm at the helm of this, not you. God to me, not me to you, okay? God's saying to me, Justin, I'm at the helm of this, not you. I know where I'm leading you. I know how to lead you, and I know where we're going. Uh, December 12th or December 21st um, of uh, last year, Phil spoke this word over our church, and I wanted to remind you of it. I asked the prayer ladies or the prayer team, to keep it in front of them for the next six months. And here is what he said to us. My church, you are at a special time. 2020 is going to be a finite year for many. Prayers and hopes that you have had are going to be met once and for all. Now, let me tell you why I'm reading this. Anytime that I receive a prophetic word or a word that the Lord has encouraged me with, he wants us to partner with him on those. It's not just, oh, I said it and watched me do it. No, he says, Justin, I want you to partner, which means this, Justin, I want you to receive and believe it. And many times we go, oh, that could never be true. Like, how is that gonna happen? And that's why God always speaks from our future into our present, and he invades this world that doesn't look anything like what he's saying. He said, uh, 
Who did he say it to? You're a mighty man of valor. Gideon. Gideon. He said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of what? At a moment when he's like, what? Moses, I'm going to now what? Cause you to lead my people. And he, every reason here, Jeremiah, I'm going to cause you to go to the nations. And Jeremiah's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you realize I am just a... And so our present always can tell God back, no, that doesn't make sense. Why would you say that to me right now? And it's because he wants us in this moment to receive it so that we partner with him to become it. So as you hear these words, partner with God in these words. He says, things will happen slowly. That's a weird word. Doesn't seem to be true with God all the time. Like he's not in a hurry, is he? Things will happen slowly. Do not fear. I will be with you. Decisions that you have put off or have been afraid to make, you will make them. Are you guys okay with my mic? Okay. I will be with you every step of the way. Do not look to a day or a time. Things will be gradual, and next year you will look back and see the marvelous things that have been completed. Continue to pray. Do not cease. My timing is the right timing. Continue to seek me, and I will meet you. I will reveal myself to you more and more. Finances will improve. Old jobs will change for the better. New jobs will take place. Healings will take place, be they physical, mental, or spiritual. I will give you many blessings because you are faithful. Do not look or try to figure out what is going to happen, but believe the things will happen and watch my handiwork. Do you receive that? Yeah. Amen means so be it in our lives. We can accomplish, I believe this will be on the screen, we can accomplish more. Is it on the screen? Are you guys back there? I think it is. Yep. We can accomplish more together than we can alone. Collectively, we can accomplish more together than we can alone. I personally love to work alone. I know my wife, yep, she has an amen there too. Working alone tends to be a little bit easier, but you can do something far greater when you come to collectively together to do something. And I just want to remind you, there is a reason why God has brought you to this community. There's a reason doesn't mean you'll be here forever. It may be a short season. It may be a long season. But there is a reason why he has brought you here because of something that he has placed inside of you to help us collectively do something for the kingdom that we could not do as effectively without you present in our world. What do I mean by the word accomplish? Simple is this, is that we, accomplishment to me is impact people's lives and to do his work. God has work to be done. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he wants intimacy with us. Yes, he loves those moments when we can worship and we can praise him and we can love on him and he can love on us. But at the end of the day, he has a reason why we're still living and he has work that he needs to be accomplished. He has a kingdom that he wants to expand. He has people out there that are lost, have no clue where they are and they need somebody to go into fish men out of the place of darkness and bring them to a place of light. There's work to do. It's not work within, and I want you to get this and I hope I'm able to capture what is in my heart with my words is that we're not here to build new day. I'm not here to build a big 
big thing. I'm, I'm, I'm here to build you so that you can go and do his work, which is out there. Because if we just focus on what's in here, we miss it. We really miss it. But that, what I mean by that is focusing on building an entity rather than you coming here and focusing on each other. Then we don't miss it. When you come here and learn to encourage and love and to, to build up one another and get to know each other, what happens is far greater than if we just came and then we just left. I wrote here, New Day is not a place where you just come. You come to get in, get your kids taught, and just have a good encounter, a God encounter. There's something more that we're meant to do together. There's something he has for all of us together. I saw this quote the other day, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. So I want to draw your attention this morning to a story of a man named Nehemiah. For just a brief moment, we're not going to spend much time in this story whatsoever, and we won't go into all the details of what this story has to offer, but I want to just draw a few parallels that I see regarding us, regarding the story of Nehemiah for us in 2020. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 12, I want you to see this passage for a moment. It says, then I rose, speaking of Nehemiah, after he got this desire to go rebuild the, 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 the walls of Jerusalem, he said, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what you see the phrase there? I told no one what? What God had put in my heart. You see, two years ago, the Lord did place it upon my heart, and he has for many, many years. I remember five years ago, he even gave me the name New Day, but he placed something inside of my heart. Let it simmer for a while and begin to walk out that process, and lo and behold, we, we start a new day. But I also want you to know, and I think I might get ahead of myself for just a moment, this is not my work. This is ours. It's God's, but he's, it's our work. And what I mean by that is I have certain things that the Lord has placed on my heart with regarding New Day, but I can tell you he'll put things on your heart regarding New Day as well. And what happens over time is we start having Sherlina and Sarah and Amy and Patty and Peggy and Betty and Tom, and they start to go, hey, man, God's putting this on my heart. And now New Day becomes a collective vision of the things that God has placed on our hearts, not just, what did God tell you, Justin? This is your church. No, it's not. Literally, it's not because we're not trying to, I don't even know how to communicate this yet. Like, it is so here, and it just, when it comes up, it like doesn't sound right, and I say it, and it still doesn't sound right. But this is like, we're not trying to build this entity I'm trying to help you understand that there's things that God would put inside of your heart to go, you know what? He's also placed this in my heart. And so as we started, both Judy's came to me and go, man, God has placed in our heart that intercession is vital. God didn't place that in my heart. I didn't even think about that. And when I did, I dismissed it because intercession is hard work. <laughs> but he brought somebody who did that and he started placing their heart. Just recently, he placed upon the heart of Meg and Steve, man, let's just begin to invest in the junior highs. That's not a new day thing. That is a Steve and Megan who God has placed on their heart to invest in your junior hires, and I'm grateful for that, but it's a collective vision. I know Jim and then Lawrence back there is like, man, we have these things called gatherings, which I'll share in a little bit. God put it on their heart and said, man, I want to lead that. I want to start to reach my neighborhoods for Christ. I want to learn how to share my faith. 
talk with Mike Zakabek back there, and one of the things his heart is for men. Just, man, I, I want to disciple men. It's the things that God has placed. He puts things on your heart, and you can dismiss it, or you can embrace it, but the, one of the reasons why we dismiss it all the times is we don't know how it's going to work. And he never shows us those cards. It's weird. It's like, I remember where I felt very strongly about New Day, and it's like you're at a table, and you're watching YouTube videos on how to start a church and doing all this stupid stuff that you shouldn't do, uh, writing down, oh, we could do this, and we could do this, and we could do this, and God, well, what about this? And oh, you didn't answer me, so I'll just come up with my own answers, and we do that. And we start to go, okay, and it's just like, at one point, I just remember the Lord, like, stop asking me questions. Like, Justin, do you know that I can do this? All I asked you is to just take a step. But no, 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 we want to know what step two, three, four, five, maybe 100 is, and then we'll decide whether or not it's really worth it. No, if he shows us those, you better believe we're walking the other way. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I just want to encourage you that there is collectiveness into, in togetherness, that there are things that God will place as you're part of this community to go, man, this is what the Lord, and I encourage you to ask God about that. And if he doesn't tell you anything, don't make nothing up. Don't go serve with the junior hires if you have not heard from God about that. And what I mean by that is listen to the voice of God. Listen to the heart of God. Now, look at what Nehemiah did. It said he kept these things silent. Look in verse number 17, and this is where I want to kind of emphasize. So he brought a group of leaders at that time together, and he began to share the things that God has placed in his heart. And he says, and I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste. And its gates are what? Burned with fire. So this was, this was um, Nehemiah's challenge. Like nobody else really felt this way. And when I look at the landscape of a remnant of believers, I realize we're plagued with function. Like that moves me deeply. And it's why I probably have had one message for the 19 months that we've been doing this is to help people get out of the bondage of function into the freedom of what a relationship looks, with, looks like and then begin to build your life from a place of security. And I'm very serious about it. I'm very intentional about it. But I know that's not your vision. I know that's not necessarily that's something that maybe you just jump on board, but watch what Nehemiah does. He says, come, let us build the wall. He bids a people to say, would you join me? And, and that's what I'm doing here this morning, and maybe have done for the last number, for the time that we've been together, is I bid you to say, come and help me to build people's lives. Because you reach certain people that I will not reach. You have a certain personality that I do not. I may have a gift to teach, but you may have the ability to encourage and to love and to love deeply and to be there with people when I can't be there. And so I'm just bidding you come. Let's do what God's called us to do. Let's do it together. And let's hear what God has placed upon your heart just as well. And he says that let's build the wall together that we may no longer be a reproach. And then I told them that the hand of God has been good upon me. And also the king's words that he had spoken to me. And so they said... Let us, and I love that word, us. Let us rise up and build. This work that we're doing is not just Justin and Sarah's work. 
It's not. It's all of ours. And I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. I just know if we just come and sit and go, we would miss something so special. There's no rebuke in that. You do whatever you do for the season of life that you're in. I'm not, I'm not trying to bid you to serve here. I'm not trying to bid you to, to do anything part of ministry. I'm just saying I know if you're here, you're here for a reason. If you're here for a reason, find out what that is. And if it's something outside these walls, let's go and accomplish it together. Let's do this thing together. And so as I look at that passage that we just read, four things stand out to me very quickly. And there are these. You can go to that screen. They were in it together. They were on a clear mission. They were united around a single purpose. And they knew that they were all dependent upon God blessing it. They were in it together. They were on a clear mission. They were united around a single purpose and they were all dependent upon God. Why? Because when they began to do it, all they faced was what? Opposition after opposition. There was somebody called the enemy that made sure or wanted to make sure that they would not build the very thing that God has placed upon his heart. Every person here matters greatly to God's plan. Every single one of you. I don't matter more than AJ does. I don't matter more than any of you do to what God wants to do. Every single person matters. Every single one of you matter greatly to God. You may have disqualified yourself, but God has not. You have, may have said, you know what, God could never. And I, I can't even imagine that we could use those words with, when we speak in the same sentence of God, but he could use you greatly. And he wants to use you greatly. And he wants to explore what he has placed on your hearts when it comes to what he has for you in 2020. Yes, you have your job, and yes, you have your family, but there is something that God says, I want to help build people's lives through you. Every assignment that is given in this room by somebody is important to God's purpose. Every single person here matters, and every single person has an assignment on their life, and every gift of yours is needed to build his body. Everyone matters. Everyone has an assignment, and everybody has been given a gift that is yours to explore of what that could look like. I know there's fear attached to what 2020 could look like from a perspective of you partnering with God and asking him, what is the assignment that you have given to me as part of this community that we're in? Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says these words, for he is, he is the one who has given these gifts to the church. He gives the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says these words in verse 12, if you want to go to that screen. Ephesians chapter 4. I know it's not fitting on the screen too well. And it says, he has given them their responsibility is to what? Equip God's people to do his work. I'm very passionate about that, to equip you. 
to remind you that you're a son and you're a daughter and you're beloved of God. His favor is on you. And I will do everything I can do to equip you to say, go do his work. And go and what? Build the church up, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's sons that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord. And so here's the vision I have, and I really wanted to just to kind of put this out in front of you as we started off this year. I see New Day as a place or a community of healing, rebuilding, and equipping. What I mean by that, and this is why we've said this phrase over and over, we meet people where? Right where they're at. Because many come through these doors. Many of you have experienced this on a personal level, and maybe you're experiencing it right now. You come through these doors wounded, bitter, hurt, angry, frustrated with life. Why did this previous church do this, or this, this pastor did this, or whatever it is? And so you come wounded. And many times, I know prior to understanding this whole idea of relational before functional, many times I'd see a person like that, I'd hear their words and go, okay, project A, let's get them to a place of being better. And what the Lord began to just show me with that picture that I showed you many months ago is the little, the girl in the fetal position in the corner, not knowing what she's doing. She's afraid, she's mad, she's broken, she's hurt, she's downtrodden. And the Lord said, you know what? It's only through love, but somebody who would actually go in that corner with you, sit with that girl, put your arm around her shoulder and say, we're not getting up until you're ready. That's when power and transformation happen. And when he began to show that to me, he realized, man, it's about relationship and not about a project. People are not projects. Healing is not a destination of get here to get there right away. We're not trying to get people from here to there. There's no point A or there's no point B. It is a journey of relationship, of meeting people right where they are. And so when I, the vision that I see is I don't see a vision of masses amount of people and buildings. And although some of that stuff may happen, what I see is, man, can we become a community that brings healing to people, that starts to help them rebuild in their life, and then starts to equip them to go and do the same thing for somebody else. That I see is powerful, and that's what I'm watching happen little by little within all of your lives as you're learning how to love people. I know I was talking with Lawrence, and he posted on the Facebook page, and we had a very heart-to-heart, face-to-face discussion that I, I believe many times people are like, you know what, we're not talking anymore. It wasn't bad, it was just, you have those moments when you talk and some people go, I can go elsewhere, I don't need to hear this. But you know what happened in Lawrence's life just recently is the Lord began to go, I wanna show you how to meet people right where they are. Because we prejudge things. And we start to look at somebody and go, well, they shouldn't be like that and why are they like that and maybe they're like that because of this and we start to prejudge and we start to try to hurry the process and we just get done with the process because they're not moving as quickly as we think they should. Um, and we miss what love truly looks like when we meet people right where they are. And so I see us as a community of believers who are learning how to, I put here know how to, but I think we're learning how to love unconditionally. I still don't know what that fully looks like, which means this, I fully don't receive that always from the Father. And so I, want, I know the Lord is forming within us and he's showing us how to love people unconditionally. And what that means is that we have to become face-to-face with our judgments. 
and our, our predispositions toward people and how we look at people at times. And that's why social media can be so adverse to what God is trying to do in our lives because we start to see things that we dislike about people and why are they like that and do that and then we start to see them on Sunday. We're like, oh my God, why do I feel so mad at them? And so I see as, as a community of believers learning how to love unconditionally. He's showing us how to reach people relentlessly. Man, when I, I see people in Proverbs, Solomon says something very wise. He said, behind many smiles, there's a lot of pain. And I realize that that's true for many people. A lot of people come to church knowing, it's like they get out of the car and they're like, oh wait, I forgot my mask. Put on the mask, they're like, oh, Sunday, what a great day. Why is that guy out there looking, hug me today? I'm just gonna act like I like to hug him back. And I, and I get that, that we learn how to put a mask on and I hope that at, at some point, because we're willing to love people, you can take the mask off because there's a place of safety here. Why? Because wherever there's love, there's safety. There's a place of allowing somebody to go, I'm this right now. I'm broken, I'm hurt, I'm damaged, I'm whatever it is. Now, God never wants to leave you there because he's a redemptive God. But that's where love unconditionally reach people relentlessly. And then the last thing that I really see is that we'll believe God unapolog unapologetically. I wanna believe what he says. I wanna believe it in the midst of, of what I'm going through. Somebody just texted me the other day. They know some, um, just some of the things that we're, we're facing off with. And he goes, you know what? I'm so excited for the season that you're in because you're gonna have to believe God. And I took those words to heart. And I was like, you know what? That's what I tell other people. <laughs> I just got a dose of my own medicine there. Like, it should be exciting to believe God when your back seems against the wall, when you don't see how it's gonna turn out the way that you thought it would and you don't know when it's gonna change. Man, let's believe God unapologetically. Let's believe God that he is a God that redeems. He's a God that heals. He's a God that meets people. He's a God that loves. He's a God that forgives the unforgivable. He's a God that brings people to a place where they can have a life that was different than the life that they grew up with. I believe God is a good God. I believe he's good always. I believe he's always has our best in mind. I believe he's always setting me up to succeed in what he's called me to do. I believe that and I believe that without apology. But vision takes faith to see it. And that's why I want to encourage you, ask God to say, God, show me what that looks like. Show me what it means to be part of this community. Because think about this. Maybe God has you here for six months. Maybe he has you here for a year or for five years. You don't want to go back and go, oh, I wish I would have. No, ask God, Lord, show me what this vision looks like. Show me how I can be a partner with what you're doing here. Show me what part that I play. Vision takes faith to believe it. That prophecy, I have to work in my own heart. Lord, I believe that. I believe what you showed me, what, uh, 17 months ago when the Lord showed me the vision of, of flooding this church with his presence. It's like you go through those months and you go, uh, I don't see a trickle, <laughs> right? And, and you go through being a pastor and you're like, oh man, is it making an impact? And you just have to begin to say, "Go, you know what? Vision takes faith to believe it. I believe it. I believe he's, he's cultivating all of us to become people who know how to love people outside of these walls in a way that there's no condition 
but in a way that we realize we have an answer that's important and that answer is Jesus and we, we are bold enough to share that answer with people. I believe that we're a community that will learn how to love, but we need faith to see it and faith to believe it. We also need faith to step into it. We have to have the faith to say, you know what, God, you placed this on my heart. Can you imagine Nehemiah, the walls over there, he has to tell the king, king, I really can't do this position right now because God has put in my heart. Would you grant me favor so I can go for many, many months away and build God's place? It's my heart. Can you imagine the courage to ask the king that? Just think about going to your own job and saying, man, God put this on my heart. I need to be away for about eight months and I need you to resource it. It takes courage, right? So you ask God, man, Lord, help me see something. It takes faith to believe it, but it takes faith to actually step into it. It's great to believe what God's gonna do, but if you don't take a step, just play the Jeopardy music. That's exactly what you're gonna experience. So how do we as a community live this out every single week? What is our role to play? You can put that on the screen, uh, whoever's back there. I think it's Nico. It, uh, it's the four, four, no, keep on going. Okay, no, go back. Yep, right there. Uh, meet people right where they are. This is what we can do as a community. Whether it's on your job, whether it's in your family, whether it's people who are here at the church, meet people right where they are. What that means is engage with people. I know we have a church uh, majority of introverts. It's like, hey, how you doing? You doing good? Me too. Just keep on walking, please. Just keep on walking. Keep on walking because I'm better without talking, you know? And, and I get that, but at the end of the day, you're invaluable on one-on-one. Meet people where they are. Second one is we call people up into who they are. Not just me. I have the ability because I have your attention for 45 minutes to call you up into who God is but man, do the same thing. And please, parents, do it in your kids' lives. It's easy to see where they're not. It's easy to see what needs to be fixed. It's easy to see why you just don't understand why they're their kid, your kids at times. But call them up into who they are. Call them up into how God sees them. You'll get a lot more leverage by speaking into their life than you were about speaking down to them. Speak life into people's hearts. And lastly is equip that's why I see new days equipping people for the work that God has called them to do. Just give me about five more minutes. I really want to finalize this, two things. There's three mandates that the Lord personally has given me as pastoring New Day. And the first one came with that picture that I shared with you. You can put that on the screen, Nico. I think it's on there. Nope. Uh, don't, don't scare people, Nico. Come on. <laughs> nope. Definitely don't scare people, Nico. <laughs> Just turn it off, Nico, turn it off. Uh, picture of a pit stop versus a garage. Man, I remember when the Lord shared that with me, it turned my pastoral uh, perspective upside down. So what's the difference between a garage and a pit stop? A garage is that you pull your car in, you park your car in your home, and you settle, and you get comfortable in home. A pit stop is where, man, you zoom into that thing, just like many of us do on Sunday morning, you get something adjusted and you get what? Sent back out to go do what God has called you to do. This is not just a home. 
You're not home here. This is not home. This is a church that you maybe attend on a gather together every Sunday, but this is not your home. This is a place of a pit stop to encourage you to go back out and go do what God's called you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The second one that he really put on my heart, and I, I'm not anti-women, um, it's just I can't disciple women individually whatsoever because it doesn't bode well, is to mentor the men of this house. Men, I really want to encourage you. We meet every other Wednesday, nothing exciting. There's no bells and whistles. We literally just gather together to build each other up. It's been phenomenal. It's been something that the Lord has continued to, to keep on going, the vulnerability at those places, the safe harbor of being able to talk about different things has been great. Um, but I really know, man, I've been called to mentor the men in this place. And then the third one is, and I know this is a very different message than what, you're normally, what we normally used to, uh, but to establish gatherings. Now, this is something that has been brewing in my heart for many, many months. Um, I'm challenged inside as a person, as a pastor, on how church should be done because it's gotten out of whack in so many regards. And what I mean by that is every man that stands behind a pulpit has an ego. And the enemy preys on that ego. And what feeds that ego is bigger and bad, bad, better, faster, and bigger, and better, and faster. And so what happens is Men who have the ability to stand up in front of people can get easily tricked into bigger and better and faster. I am no exception to that whatsoever. There's a longing in my heart, both on the good side and the bad side, to see this place completely filled. But on the bad side, it would feed something very bad inside of me. On the good side, it would be, man, I hope people are catching the heart of the message. And what I'm saying about this is I realize there has to be, this is not for every single church, for here, a decentralization, which means this. If you just come to hear one man speak into your life, we miss the essence of what the church is supposed to be. But if we're able to, of course, gather which we'll continue to do. I'll continue to use my gift to teach. But if we could decentralize it at times, which the gatherings are, they're disciple-making small groups, which are meant to get us outside these walls with the emphasis on reaching lost people. Because if our goal is just to get them to church, that's not a goal. Our goal is to get them to Jesus and to disciple those people. And it can't happen effectively on one service on a Sunday morning. I hope you hear my heart. I love church. The local church is the most needed thing in the body of Christ. But I believe that when it can start happening, not just on a Sunday, but throughout houses, throughout the week, in a way that we start to now look at our neighborhoods, in a way that we've never realized, why am I in my neighborhood? Guys, I'm speaking to myself just as well. There's a neighborhood that has people there that may not go to a church, but man, they may come into your home to have dinner and they may be able to have an opportunity to hear the gospel 
And so I'll talk more about that later, but there's gatherings that we're, we're starting. Those are just the three mandates the Lord has given to me. Of course, he's placed it on Steve Hart to do the junior high and other people's hearts to do different things, which we welcome that just as well. If you have any questions about any of those things, I'd love for you to just take the time and, and, and ask me um, because I want to collectively do this together. I know this message is not one of teaching. It's not one of breaking down something, but I want you to hear what I believe we're here for, which is to have God's heart toward his people. There's two things that I wanted to address, and I know I said five minutes. I don't even know why I said five minutes. I forget it. <laughs> the next thing is that I, the ladies brought this to my attention. I did not, this is not a church-wide planning thing. This is not something that we're gonna do every single year. But they said, Justin, the Lord has placed it upon our heart to fast for 21 days. Now, they got a head start, so you guys are only at 15 days that you guys might have to join in. But I want to encourage all of us, I myself include, I'm going to join in it tomorrow, is to fast. And fasting is not something that is overemphasized in the scriptures. You don't find it too often. You find Jesus mentioned it briefly. You don't find it in the epistles much at all, at all except when they're speaking to, to marriages. Um, but fasting is important. And let me tell you why it is. Because what it does is not move God, but it starts to put you in a place where you can get engaged with God. You can get clear about certain things. Fasting humbles your flesh. It puts your flesh in its rightful place of saying, I am designating a time period with a purpose of prayer to go after this thing engaged. And I'm telling my flesh, and fasting is this, abstaining from food for a period of time to spend time in prayer. That's what fasting is. You can say no to Netflix. You can say no to social media. That's great. That's not biblical fasting. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's very beneficial, but the fasting we're talking about that we're encountering with the, 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 the prayer team is abstaining from food for a period of time with the emphasis of prayer. And so my commitment personally is each morning to, to 4 p.m. I'm gonna fast during that period of time. Um, and so I just wanna encourage you to be prayerful and to consider how you can fast a meal. And it's not just abstaining from food. It's entering into a time that you would use while you ate now for prayer during that time. And uh, I would really want to encourage you to be a part of that. The last thing I wanted to share. I made sure not to rehearse this because I wanted to make sure it wasn't scripted, although I'm thinking in my mind I should have. Um, in, in the time that we've been going to New Day, just pipe up if you hear me say anything that I should not say or should say. Um, <laughs> I came from a previous ministry. That's crazy, the emotion that just welled up. Um, that highly abused giving. There's many tactics. There's many ways to get some money out of a person's pocket into a, a bin, ultimately into an account. We see it across the world. We see a lot of scandals here and there of just... So much money flowing through ministries, but they keep on pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and there's ways to do it. There's ways to get money out of your pocket. 
I've, I've heard them, I know them, I could do them, and you would follow, which is crazy. That's what we do. I did the same thing to the point where Sarah, um, in our last year of the ministry there, she got so burnt out with giving, she didn't even tell me what a rebellious wife she is. She didn't even tell me she stopped giving. I mean, we were still giving something. I thought we were giving some things, but she stopped giving. What's that? Yeah, we don't want to share that, though. Yeah, no, no, I don't. But she, she stopped the idea. She no longer liked that concept. Let's say it like that. Uh, yeah, we still gave. But what, what I'm saying is this. There is such an abuse about it. No, it's weird. So somebody spoke into our lives about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I haven't cried in so long. <laughs> Jesus, I'm back. <laughs> That's probably, probably so backslidden. Um, is, no, I don't need a tissue. We're just going to let them flow. Let the mascara flow. <laughs> he challenged me and he says, you're scared to talk about Giving. We're not going to pass buckets still. I, I, I'm, we're resolute on that. I believe God will speak to your hearts. I'm not going to employ any tricks. I'm not going to employ anything. Um, but I want to encourage you guys. Out of fear, I withheld something that I think is extremely important to believers, which is to give into his kingdom. Now, many of you are great givers. I don't know what you all give. It's not something for me to know. But I realized, man, I backed up because of how hurt and abused people were by the tactics and the schemes of what go on. And I just want to let you know, I will take time to encourage that, that part of your life. I won't obligate there won't be any trickery. There won't be any um, amounts that, you know, stuff like that. I'm going to leave that between you and your father. But at the end of the day, I wanted to confess to you as a pastor, I let fear stop me from going in a place because I didn't want to be associated whatsoever with what I was a part of. And I want to encourage you Give into his kingdom. It's great to give to a poor person, which poor and needy are a priority in the kingdom of God. But give to his kingdom. Don't let fear stop you from giving. Don't let a budget stop you from giving. Because there's something that the Bible says about sowing that has so many negative Tentacles attached to it, but there's a purity in it. And I want to get back to that personally, but also for you guys. That you go to the purity, you search, search the scriptures of what giving looks like, and then be faithful to that. And I will be faithful to not allow certain things um, to be withheld because I don't want you to feel a certain way. But I promise you, I promise you, I won't go anywhere near 
where I was when it comes to how to get something out of your pocket. Nowhere near it, because there is a verse that says, and I want to just read this as I close. It says this. It says, but I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully is going to reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, the ones that give, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I just told you that God has a work for you. And he says, you know what? How I get that abundance into your work? Give into my kingdom. And I will, I will bless your work that I've called you to do. And so if fear has stopped you, or if abuse of what you've seen has stopped you, or I don't know what the church is going to do with it, which we will reveal that. We'll have a board meeting very soon, and we'll make sure that, as we did last year, you'll see what the finances look like, because I know that's a big issue just as well, and it's an important one, and you have complete freedom to ask those questions. Um, don't let certain things in your past, like they did with me, keep you from doing something that is so holy and so pure before God. Amen? Thank you, guys.